guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs over, over coffee. coffee. So today we have with us Dr. Edward Kim, uh, who is going to talk to us today about uh, applying to urogynecology. Dr. Kim is a third-year urogynecology fellow at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania, which meant that he applied uh, back in 2019. Is that correct? Yep. That's one that we all applied, I think, 2019, and things were still in person. Man, it's crazy to think back to then and being on the other side of fellowship interviews now and how it's all virtual. Um, So a lot of things have changed, I guess, but some things stay the same. One thing I guess that something all of us have in common is that we're from large academic institutions. So just for our listeners to keep in mind, what we say may not apply to some of you who are coming from smaller programs or from community programs that will pepper in some advice um, from at least our perspective sitting in the fellowship chairs now of what we've been able to see. Um, But Ed, I guess let's get started. I don't think about urogynecology or FPMRS much anymore. So why don't you just give us a brief overview of what exactly it is? Yeah, of course. So urogynecology or um, FPMRS, um, so that's short for female pelvic medicine and reconstructive surgery. So we're a subspecialty of either OBGYN or urology, and we focus on medical management, surgical management, and research of women's pelvic floor conditions. Uh, Vast majority of our surgeries are elective and outpatient, or at most overnight stays. Compared to other GYN surgical subspecialties like GYN Onc or MIGS, there's very little inpatient care needs or consults. Our patient population is predominantly older patients with exceptions at places that do gender-affirming surgeries, peripartum pelvic floor care, and etc. Our research areas range from basic science to NIH-funded research network on large clinical trials. Um, I did want to kind of mention that historically the name FPMRS was created to replace or supplement the name urogynecology in order to kind of relay that our school of practice go beyond basic urolo- um, urologic and gynecologic conditions. But more recently, the name FPMRS is being rediscussed because, as you can imagine, the word female is not inclusive, especially given that the more of us are now seeing gender diverse patients and perform gender affirming surgeries. So long story short, urogynecology and FPMRS are synonymous for the time being, but it may evolve. Um, and so for some of you, you're already aware, but for OBGYN residents, it's a three-year fellowship program, but for urology residents, it's a two-year fellowship. Um, and for OBGYNs, uh, per ABOG, uh, our governing body, these three years include 12 months of research. Your training uh, generally will cover a variety of pelvic floor conditions as, def- as defined by American Urogynecologic Society or OGS uh, scope of practice. So, you know, things that you've um, all seen in um, residency, perhaps, so urinary incontinence, uh, pelvic organ prolapse, voiding dysfunction, neurogenic bladder, uh, urethra diverticula, fistulae, and congenital abnormalities. And, you know, um, some centers were also focused on things like fecal incontinence, IEC, chronic pelvic pain, um, and transgender care, and peripartum uh, pelvic floor issues as well. So that's kind of a, you know, really brief overview of EPMRS or urogynecology for those of you who are not super familiar with what we do. 
That's really great, Ed. Um, let's kind of walk someone through, like let's say someone is interested in applying into um, FPMRS. Um, what would their like first couple of years of residency look like? What are some of your advice uh, for them in terms of how they can better prepare? Yeah, that's a great question, Faye. Um, so one thing to note is that Eurogyne is an early application and early match uh, program, just like urology. So urology residency is early match and early application. And so to accommodate for urology residents who are applying, um, we're also early as well. So all that means is that we're a few months um, earlier than most other OBGYN subspecialties. So the residents in OBGYN who are interested in the subspecialty should really think about things a little earlier. So earlier, you know, the better in terms of when you apply and um, to your fellowship. Um, so that said, if we're going to kind of walk through each uh, year or categories of year in residency, the first two years as junior residents, if you're at a residency with big Eurogyne presence and, you know, Nick, Faye and I have all had a really good Eurogyne experience uh, because we had huge divisions. Um, so if you are at one of these programs, uh, typically you rotate through or at least be exposed to Eurogyne as junior residents. So if you do, then see what your attendings and fellows do when you're on the rotation or when you're exposed to it. Just talk to them about why they went into it. Do you like their majors and minor Eurogyne surgeries? Um, how about the predominantly older patient population? Do you, you know, kind of get along with them? Do you um, like uh, what they have to say in terms of their life stories and their conditions? So, and also see what kind of scholarly activities are happening, happening in the division. Do you like the public floor disorders as kind of the um, disease processes that you are doing research or looking into? And ask if you can be involved more with their research and they'll we'll get, uh, get help kind of plugged in with the division. And of course, in the first few years, do well on your creogs, but it's not a huge deal until your third year and show an upward trend in your score if you can. So the last uh, score that we see, especially because early match is third year creog score. So just, you know, do well on it. Um, and if you're not a residency and Nick kind of pre um, prefaced it before that we are coming from large academic institutions, but if you're at a program that um, doesn't have a huge Eurogram presence, um, then you can identify a local Eurogram faculty or a program nearby. And if your residency and the host institutions allow you to do an away rotation, kind of an addition rotation, try to impress them, get a great letter. And ideally, because you should have at least one Eurogram write a letter for you. So if you're at a program that doesn't really have a Eurogram presence, you really should have one. And so do a scholarly activity like a book chapter or full on research project or doing an away rotation would be really helpful. Um, and then finally, I would say that for PGY2s, to definitely consider applying to the AUGS um, Scholars um, resident scholars program. So there's two. One is a resident scholars program that gives you basically a travel fund to attend OGS and connect and meet with all the leaders. And then there's ABLE Scholar Award uh, that is similar to this, but uh, focus on residents from diverse backgrounds. You can, of course, apply as a PGY3, but by then, because of early um, application and match, it'll already be in full swing your application. And so it'll be kind of not as useful as a PGY2. So I would say to answer Faye's question, those two years, is how I would kind of categorize it. Yeah, and Ed, you've alluded to this a couple times now, um, but this is like compared to other fellowship applications, this is a really accelerated cycle. 
Um, so now as we're kind of coming away from these opportunities you mentioned, PGY1, PGY2, for rounding the corner towards third year and we're trying to start getting an application together, um, what things do we really need to start thinking about right away? Yeah, Nick, that's a good point. Um, so because it is a very accelerated um, kind of a process, uh, so by third year, when you start third year, you really should be thinking about getting the application together. And so the applications usually opens in November or December of your third year. So it's super fast. So I would try to identify the people who can write your letters of recommendation. So again, if you don't really have a Eurogan at your institution, having had connection with a local Eurogan or someone nearby would be really helpful continue research projects and other scholarly activities. And if you haven't already applied for either uh, either of the resident scholar programs that I mentioned, again, not super um, as helpful uh, in the PGY three year because you're already in full swing of the application when you travel to AUGS, but still it won't hurt you if you do uh, put that on your CV. And so, as I said, applications open in November and December. So around the time that you start third year, look at the AUGS listing uh, fellowship programs, look at the each um, program information, make a list of programs, and definitely sit down with your mentor and fellows and edit or add to the list. Talk about your career goals, what you're looking for in a program, and etc. Awesome. Um, so I know we're starting to talk about applications a little bit, uh, Ed. So um, kind of walk us through the application process that you went through, some of the things that you learned, and some of your advice for people when they're actually you know, applying. Yeah, absolutely. So when you actually start the application, so like I said, overall, um, applications open in November, December time, and they close in January. And that's when typically programs start to look at the application. So they tend to kind of wait for the full kind of uh, pool to be all submitted before they review. Interview invitations go out on a single day in February, and then interviews are from March to June of your third year. So again, super accelerated. Um, Your co-residents might like it because they don't have to cover um, your shifts as much. um, But um, your interviews are going to be really before fourth year starts and you actually match in August of fourth year. So you'll have already known uh, by August of your fourth year where you're going. Um, so super accelerated. So early fall of PGY three year, keep on updating your CV, get the application material together, write your personal statement, have your mentors review it. Help the readers essentially understand why you're a guy and why you want what you want to accomplish in your career. Um, and most programs, like I said, won't review applications as soon as the applications open in November or December. However, do submit on the earlier side because you really don't know what the process is going to be like at your top choice programs. They, you don't know if they're going to uh, review right away or if you're going to wait, or if you're going to do it in batches and, you know, kind of like look at it in a rolling um, basis, even though the interview uh, invites go on the same day. So just try to get it done early, but don't rush at the cost of making mistakes in your application. Um, and like I said, all programs will send out interview invites on a single day in uh, typically in February. And just like in residency, be prompt about responding to interview invites um, as to not wait, you know, end up on the wait list. Yeah, and kind of getting to that now. So February gets here, interviews hopefully rolling in. What are the tips that you have of being prepared specifically for the Eurogyne interview? Yeah, uh, back 
back in our day for Nick Faye and I, uh, we spent a lot of money, like thousands of dollars on in-person <laughs> interviews. Of course, you know, we got uh, made a lot of friends along the way. There are a lot of interesting stories from that point and, you know, really bonding experience. Um, but, you know, virtual interviews are definitely wallet friendly and schedule friendly, but they are also very exhausting. I, I've seen people go through it and it seems really exhausting to be on for like 15 minutes at a time and whatnot. And so I would definitely allow yourself some breaks and downtime between interviews if you can and try to really optimize the number of interviews that you do. You don't want to do too many because if you're too burnt out by the end, then what was really the point, right? So you kind of want to uh, shoot for the middle ground, whatever that is for you. Um, and for interviews, I mean, we all know this by this point in your career, right? But do your homework about the program. Some programs have really good information on their website or on their OGS uh, program listing. Try not to ask questions that is reasonably evident and um, the program brochures or websites and whatnot, because you really don't want to be seen as not interested in the program. Um, and ask the people that you know about the program. And so networking and OGS and things like that will come in really handy. Um, and know the program faculty and what their interests are. You know, it's kind of a basic thing of interviewing someone, just knowing their interests and being able to engage them is a really good thing. Um, a lot of the programs in Eurogyne are going to be just very conversational interest in interview, but some programs will have more of a behavioral question. So just think about the questions uh, or answers to questions like, you know, tell us about a time that you had a really big challenge, how you overcame it. Tell us about a time when uh, someone junior to you or superior to you said something that went against your belief system and how you handle it. Those kind of things, I think it's really good to think about. Um, and definitely have a list of questions because people will always say your favorite phrase, right? Um, any other questions? Do you have any questions for us, right? Do you have questions? If you don't have questions, it really doesn't seem that you're interested. So things that you can ask for urogyne specific, right? The surgical modalities. Do you do robotic, vaginal, uh, straight stick, open? What do you guys do? What is your modality? And what are your numbers kind of a thing? And then what kind of non-bread and butter urogyne do you do? So, you know, gender affirming care, for example, Peripartum, post, um, peripartum pelvic floor issues, fecal incontinence, those kind of things. What do you guys do that makes you special? So you want to ask that um, and ask about their research structure. Is it one full year back to back or is it 12 months broken up throughout? And what kind of research that they do, basic science, clinical and whatnot. And please, um, it's just my uh, soapbox. This religious school questions like calls and transportation, where to live in the city. Uh, try to save those questions for the fellows or perhaps the PD, more of the social kind of settings and whatnot, not during the actual interview. Um, and finally, I will just say, in general, it's really hard to get a sense of virtual interview um, you know, what the vibe of the program is, but really do try to see if they're friendly to each other, collegial with one another. Um, and I would just say also keep a lookout for if your interview day has all the members of the division, you know, the fellows and the faculty, those who are not on call, especially if they're really present for the interview and engaging with you, because some of the programs that are really vested in their fellowship will try very hard to pick a time and day that works for everyone, block out their ORs and clinics and whatnot. And especially for Eurogyne and other kind of surgical subspecialties, don't be surprised if you have to interview on a Friday or a Saturday, it's just because of how the OR blocked times work out and what faculty can make it and whatnot. So I would just say those kind of things for interviews. Yeah. And, you know, once you do all your interviewing and everything, hopefully it's time to make your rank list. Um, so, I mean, I think everyone's going to be a little bit different in what they prioritize, right, on their rank list. But like, what are some of your tips um, or your advice for people about how to make their rank list? 
Yeah, I think for the rank list, I mean, there's really no like uh, advice that fits, you know, everyone. But that said, I would still say three years is a very long time, um, as we can all attest to, right? Um, but at the same time, if you're at a program at a place in this in the country where you really find a lot of meaning and being around family and friends, things to do and whatnot, I think those are really important. Really, no matter where you go, you're going to be uh, an MFM, an REI, Gainok, or Eurogan. You're gonna get the training that you need to, but try to see, you know, what kind of niches that they have like is it do are they more research heavy what kind of clinical modality or surgical modalities do they do really well who are the people there and really the geography as well so i think just also think about the fact that you know by the time you're hit fellowship you're going to be in your 30s and whatnot try to think about what's really important in your life and you know, what will really bring you joy um being in a city that you love or being in a particular program that does something really well so i would just think about those things i think you know i think as we get all older my biggest advice is to always think about what makes you happy and your um kind of outside the work life we're no longer residents try to figure out what makes you happy. And if being in a city is really what makes you happy versus being in the more rural parts of the country, then really that's what it is. So I think that's my biggest advice. Think like a more of an adult is what I would say. And then I would also mention that once you actually have the rank list ready, um, and I'm sure Nick and Faye would agree, be sure to reach out to a few programs that you really loved. You know, it, it really nothing warms the program director's heart to then to hear the applicant say, I really loved your program. I'd love to come there. Remember, this is not against the NRMP role. NRMP allows you to voluntarily tell programs where you're thinking and where you're ranking them. So if you have a top choice and you're really, really, really wanting to go there, tell them that's not going to hurt you. It's only going to help you. And if they don't write back to you, that's not really an issue. Some programs actually don't write back at all. Um, and I would have your mentors and advisors um, really write to the program again to strengthen that letter of interest that you're going to send out. Um, and finally, in terms of the thank you emails, the bane of our existence, do you do them or not? Like, who knows? But I would just lean on the side of doing them um, and don't expect any responses back. A lot of programs won't say anything, but it's just a good idea and, and just good etiquette, especially when you're joining this small world, just to say hello and thank you for their time and whatnot. So I would say that's kind of the gestalt of the how to approach rank list. All right. Well, Ed, I thank you a lot for taking us into your world of Eurogyne or FPMRS or whatever it's going to be named in the future. And hopefully um, you've influenced some of your future colleagues here today. Um, but any kind of closing advice and summary? Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you again for having me again on uh, Kriogs Over Coffee. It's always a joy to talk to you guys. Um, I would say in closing, um, fellowship applications and interviews are they're not really easy processes, especially as a resident. You're finishing a residency, always so tired. But at the end of it all, you'll be really glad that you did it um, because this is kind of what you wanted to do, self-specialize and really get better at. And so you're really glad have that for having done it. We really love our field and what we do, our patient population, and we really love where it's going. As Nick said, things are constantly evolving. It's the youngest probably the youngest um, or the newest subspecialty of OBGYN. And we're still trying to figure out exactly where we're going. But it's a really exciting time to be Eurogyne. Really make it wherever you want it to be. I'm really excited that uh, some of you are thinking of joining us. 
Awesome. Well, thank you again, Ed, for coming onto this podcast. It's always great to have you and your expertise. Um, so once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you love the podcast, head over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is, and give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us on social media on Twitter at CreogsRiverCoff1, on Facebook and Instagram at CreogsRiverCoffee, and you can also donate to the show on our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CreogsRiverCoffee. You can find show notes for this and all of our previous episodes, as well as the Rosh Review Question of the Week on our website, CreogsRiverCoffee.com. And if you want to reach out to Ed, reach out to us, have any other suggestions about episodes, corrections, go ahead and email us, CreogsRiverCoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>